Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Woo! Hallelujah. Welcome to Celebration Church. Um, get ready for the word right now. I have a lot to share with you, so I'm going to try to be as fast as possible. You see, as I prepared for the service, I began to think about, you know, how Jesus preached and how Paul preached. And there's something I call scenario preaching, where Jesus would tell you what to do in certain scenarios. For instance, if you go to worship and there you remember that someone had oath against you, he says, this is what you do. That's now, that's a scenario. And he has told you what to do in that scenario. And so he preached in such a way that the sermons were memorable. Sometimes he used illustrations. Paul was very good with that also. Paul preached with sports. Many times, not once, not twice, many times, he used several analogies with sports. Just imagine a sermon and someone is preaching with, um, of course, obviously the best footballer in the world by far, Messi, you, you know. Um, so, of course, I'm sure that's no, no debate if you follow me. Amen. All right, but just, just imagine a sermon using Messi as analogy. Or something like that. You know, Paul did that a lot in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four. For instance, he gave an analogy with um, sprints, hundred-meter dash, or you know, um, races. He says, "Don't you know that many run, but one receives a prize?" And he likens that to ministry. He says, "Run that you may obtain." Now he could he could have simply just told us what he wanted us to say. Um, and simply just said, you must have an urgency and expectancy in ministry. There must be something to look forward to. Remember that you're going to stand before God at the end of your life. But, but he didn't just say that. He's, he used the racing analogy. And I think that's brilliant. And I'm going to start by doing that today. <laughs> Albeit my you know, analogy is going to be a lot more abstract. But um, it's going to be inclusive and everybody's going to understand it. I want to talk today about superheroes. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I mean, you, you will see the point of this. A typical young child in my generation, after you watch some action movies, you go out and you mimic, you know, in your compound and things like that. You know, but you probably wish at some point in your life that you could race with incredible speed like Flash, you know, or you could fight brute beasts and even animals. Or you could have control over natural elements like fire, or wind, or water. Or you could live hundreds and thousands of years without getting old, which many of them do, according to the movies, right? But here is what you should know. Of course, there is no Superman anywhere in the world. There's no Batman anywhere in the world. All, all of that is just fiction. There's no Flash anywhere in the world. But all these things, we have seen human beings do them. We've seen Elijah outrun a chariot. <laughs> We've seen Samson, you know, have superhuman strength. 
superhuman strength carry the gate of a city as if that's not phenomenal enough to carry it up a plane, carry it up a hill. We've seen him, we've seen him, you know, literally fight and defeat brute beasts. All right. We saw Moses part the Red Sea. We saw Elijah call down fire from the sky. We've seen Peter walk on water. So it turns out that these things you see in the movies as fiction, the Bible has true stories of people who have done them. All right. So maybe they're actually superheroes today. Think about that. And you, dear believer, are one of them. Best believe. You, dear believer, you are one of them. So what are some similarities between you and superheroes? <laughs> this is very serious. Number one, just like any superhero that you ever watched or read about, you have a mandate to save the world. You have a mandate. There is a salvation plan. And the onus and the responsibility is on you to share that message. Yours is a message, but it's still salvation. You get to save the world. The Bible says, you know, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus speaking. It says, go ye into all the world, Mark 16, 15, and preach the gospel to every creature. It says, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. So you have a salvation mandate. You get to save the world. It says, he that believeth not shall be damned. You get to save the world. If you don't share the message that you have, people are going to perish. This is so important. Also, like any superhero you read about, you get to live forever. I mean, for thousands and millions and billions of years, you get to live forever. You have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Did you ever think of it that way? You have eternal life. You have eternal life. First John chapter 5 verse 11. First John chapter 5 verse 11. It says, and this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Listen, I get to live forever. I get to live forever. What a life, what a destiny. I've told you this a million times. The Bible says, Jesus speaking in John chapter 11, it says, he that believes in him, though he dies, he will live again. And he that lives and believes in him will never die. So listen, when Christians sleep or experience natural death at the trump of God, their spirits will be reunited to a new body in which they get to live forever. That's the promise of God in Christ. And so the Bible tells us how that's going to happen. In Romans chapter 8 verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. The same way Jesus was raised from the dead by the spirit of God, you'll be raised up from the dead when you die. What a hope we have in him. Now are we the sons of God. I have eternal life. I'm not ordinary. I get to live forever. Just like the script of a superhero movie, only better. Think about that. This is so powerful. 
Do you know how much power it will require to live forever? Do you realize? Okay, for instance, you know, devices have different battery life or different battery power, depending on the power of the battery in them. All right. Just imagine a phone with a battery that will never run down. Just imagine. What would you think about such a phone? I mean, it can go on for years and the battery never ran out. If that is going to be phenomenal for just a phone, think about how phenomenal it will be for a human being. To live forever, not go old, not get sick, and never die. That's phenomenal. We're talking about great power here. This is a great hope we have in God. It's a great hope. This is great power. And all of this by the Spirit of God. It is by the Spirit of God that we have eternal life. Eternal life is not just some weird, absurd, intangible concept. It's the life you have when the Spirit of God resides in you. Think about that. What else comes to your mind when you think about um, superheroes? You think about extraordinary abilities. Extraordinary abilities. And that also, you have a fair share of. I dare say even more. Because the Bible says, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, I've read this to you a million times. It says, and this signs shall follow them that believe. This signs shall follow them that believe. This is how you know. You know, this class of people, this type of men. It says, in my name they shall cast out devils. So, you are not, you know, in the movies, you see some superhero fighting some villain. But actually, there are demoniacal forces in reality. And you can stop them, you can hinder them, you expel them. That's your destiny, that's your calling in God. This time shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Cast out. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Which is a metaphor, you know, emphasizing our control over demoniacal forces. The Bible, Jesus said, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the ability of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, I just said that so you don't see a snake in the garden and pick it up for no reason, okay? All right. It says, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is, this is, this is superhero stuff. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, so if you have a mandate to save the world, if you have extraordinary abilities, if you have eternal life, what does that make you? What do you think about yourself? But there is one more thing I want to emphasize here. Like in the movies, all superheroes have to grow their ability, have to grow their gift. And so, um, I can't believe I'm talking about this. You know, but in the movie, The X-Men, you know, Xavier has the responsibility to find people, you know, superheroes. And he grooms them in a school so that they can exploit their abilities properly. You see, because the fact that you have those capabilities does not mean you'll be effective in their use. 
You get better with use. You have to grow into your gift. Do you understand? Because these guys, from the stories, many of them never really knew how powerful they were. And that's what a Bible teacher tries to do for you. To help you see in the word of God, this is who you are. This is what you are capable of. All right? Don't call me Xavier, but hey, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do for you. To get your eyes open to see the limitless capabilities that you have in God. Look at the Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that walketh in you. Just to be sure you're participating, say wherever you are. I may not be able to hear you, but I want you to say, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we, we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So there is limitless capacity in a believer. Limitless capacity. And the Greek word translated exceeding abundantly above is an expression to describe an extent that cannot be expressed. You know, when you want to describe, you know, a quality that is beyond description. When you are out of adjectives, out of superlatives to describe how awesome, the awesomeness of something, the might of something, then you use that Greek word. It's an expression that is used when there are no words to describe what you're trying to describe. So he's telling you, you are so powerful. There, there aren't enough words. There is, there is no word in the English vocabulary or any other vocabulary of any human language that can describe how powerful you are in God. Think about that. Exceeding abundantly above. So now, there is abundantly above. And he's talking about exceeding that. Exceeding abundantly above. That's remarkable. That's my life. That's who he says I am. That's who he says I am. And as, as I grow in my knowledge of the scriptures, I become more effective in ministry. This is so important. But all of this is just a preamble to what I'm here to talk about. There's something else we learn from the superhero movies. We learn that as great the capabilities that these guys had, there were certain circumstances in which their capabilities were inhibited, were hindered, were restricted. So for, super, for, for Superman, for instance, there was Kryptonite. And as powerful as he is, when Kryptonite shows up, now he, he's, he's, he finds himself not able to do much. For Wonder Woman, there's a lasso. You know, as powerful as she is, this tiny rope tied around her, and then she can't do anything. There are circumstances, all right, that the believer, environments that the believer finds himself in, that would not allow his capabilities find expression. I don't have enough time to talk about all of them. I might just breeze through some of them. Of course, first on the list will be ignorance. 
If you don't know what you have, it won't matter what you have. And that's why the Pauline prayer predominantly is for the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. To know what is the hope of his calling. You see that? So ignorance is, is definitely a factor. And then there is something else I want to call weights, which is not far removed from ignorance. Weights. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, he's using a metaphor, every weight, and every sin, and not every sin, and the sin, I'm going to talk about that, the sin, he's talking about something specific, the sin that not so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So imagine, the metaphor is the metaphor of a race, like I said initially in this sermon that Paul used often. He's talking about a race. And he's, he's letting us know the last thing you want when you are running a race is to carry weights. Weights are going to weigh you down. And he's saying there are some things that if you carry on your journey, you won't be able to run as you should. He says, lay them aside. And from this, you can see that weights are a metaphor for what he calls the sin. He's not talking about sin generally, even though sin, of course, can inhibit us. But he's talking about the sin, specifically unbelief and doubt. He's talking to you know, Jewish people who doubted the message of the gospel. All right, so he says, lay that aside. But, but on a general spectrum, there are just things, not just unbelief, it could be one habit or the other that just stops us from going as far as we should. It varies from people to people. All right? Judas, we're not told Judas ever had any problem with women, but Judas had problem with money. Have you seen people who can do anything for money? Anything. They will throw friendship out the window as far as his money that is concerned. They are not loyal to anybody as far as the matter is money. Some even brag about it. They brag about this. For some, it is just, for some it's even food. All right? So for Esau, it was food. <laughs> for Judas, it was money. For Samson, it was women. All right? So there are some things that may never um, get your attention in that way. Do you understand? For instance, I, I may never really understand, sincerely, I, I, I don't need to say this, but I may never really understand what it means to be attracted to someone of the same sex. It, it, I've counseled people, and I don't undermine their struggle. Can I tell you something? One thing that is common with everybody is struggle and temptation. <laughs> Do you understand? But some things are just unique to some people. All right. But when it all comes down to it, you understand that as a fallen human being, there are temptations that you're going to face. And as long as, it might not be the same temptation the next person is faced with, but as long as you're faced with that temptation, you know you can identify with what that person is going through. Because when it all comes down to it, we are saved by grace. But I said all that to say this. If you accommodate contradictions too much, 
you will find, find yourself limited, carrying weights when you are supposed to be running. Oh, these things have stopped many mighty men. Stopped many mighty men. Stopped Judas. Stopped Samson. Stopped a lot of people. And we want to try to talk about that. All right, we, we just might address some of those things as this month goes on. But the, the part I want to really focus on today is um, <laughs> something else that can inhibit a believer. is lack of exercise. Some people, are, even the mere thought, thought of exercise, they're like, ah, are we not talking about the Bible? What does that have to do with anything? I want to read something to you. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. It says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It says in verse 8, it says, For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now, he uses physical exercise. Now, the, if you understand the context well, you know he might not necessarily be talking about exercise as in going to the gym. But anything that you can achieve by exerting upon yourself physically, restraining your, your appetite for food, restraining any other appetite that you have, and all of that, he's referring to that generally. And he says, there is an exercise in godliness. Think about that. And so this is something that we have to understand. A lot of people are familiar with physical exercises alone. They're not familiar with spiritual exercise, devotional exercises. What do we learn from exercises? If you see the video I put in preparation for the service, you know, on social media, you already know where this is going. For instance, many people who used to go to the gym couldn't go to the gym because of the lockdown. Because of the lockdown, due to the pandemic. All right. In case you are watching this sermon 20 years time, I'm talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. All right. It will be way past behind us by then. Amen. If Jesus has not come, be born again. All right. So, but, but hey, people were locked down. They couldn't go to the gym. And many of them, they lost their progress. They were almost back to square one in terms of how they looked because they couldn't. Can I tell you something? The peculiarity with exercise, any form of exercise, is consistency. Listen, it doesn't matter how much weight you carried in the gym one week ago. If you have not gone since then, you are going to lose progress. It's just like eating. No matter how full you are, if you eat today, you will still need to eat tomorrow. You will still need to eat next tomorrow. None of us has the capacity to eat so much that he will never need to eat again. The same thing applies to the things of the spirit. It will never be one off. I'm glad you prayed for one full week, three months ago. But can I tell you something? If you have not learned to pray repeatedly and every day, 
make it a part of your life, you're going to have struggles. You're going to have problems. And that's what the Lord is making us learn. All right, You have to incorporate the disciplines of godliness, of spiritual devotion into your daily schedule. It's important. It's important. Because if you don't do so, you are going to lack spiritual form. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some of, I've heard people talk about how prayerful they used to be. And now they cannot pray. Have you seen people like that who used to be so vibrant? And then you just watch them in maybe in a gathering and they're a shadow of themselves. Like Superman who has kryptonite flashed before his face. What happened to you? Maybe it's you I'm talking to. You, you know, maybe this message is so timely for you. It's been a struggle for you to pray. It's been a struggle for you to study. What happened to you? What are you going to do now? I'm preaching this sermon to get you to get up. Get up. Rise up, Superman. You have a destiny in God. You can't continue like this. You are born to do more. You have, there's a call on your life. Rise up. So maybe you're at a point where you're asking yourself, how did I get here? The word of God to you is lay aside every weight. Lay it aside. He told you that because you can do it. There are things you can do. You can regain your spiritual form. You can regain your focus. He says, rise up. Lay aside every weight and run. Get back on track. You can. Don't keep complaining and not doing anything. Observing. This is my prayer life. I used to pray before. And then you join the company of people. Do you know some people, when they see other people doing well, they console themselves in the fact that they used to do well too. And they even use it to commonize the people who are doing well currently. It's weird. You're like, ah. Especially all the people listening to me. This might just be the word of the Lord to you. Stop seeing young people who are vibrant and reminding them, ah, in the school days I used to be vibrant too. What about now, ma? What about now, sir? Lay aside every weight and run. We don't retire in the kingdom of God. You serve God with your life. Stop talking about the good old days. The path of the justice as a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. God is meant to come back for you and to find you on the field walking and laboring. Don't talk about good old days. Some people use it to discourage other people in their favor. Huh? I used to be vibrant like this, so I had to calm down. As if it's not bad enough that you've lost your favor, now you are trying to gain recruits. And that lackadaisical attitude, you, you ought to repent. And this sermon is not just to condemn you. There's no condemnation for, to the, those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm just here to stir you up. Get angry and rise up to your destiny. Rise up to your calling. Rise up to your potential in the Lord. Unto him, the Bible says, who is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. What are you doing with all that potential? What are you doing with all that ab ab ability? I've said this before. 
There are all kinds of positions, doctrinal positions in the body of Christ regarding charismatic ministry. Some believe healing is for today. Some believe that healing is not for today. Some believe other people can heal, but they cannot heal. And all that weird ideas. But the interesting thing is, no matter what you believe, if you are in Christ, at the end of your life, you are going to rise again. Not only are you going to rise again, the power for your resurrection resides in you. So if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead is in you, he will quicken. So the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And so your hands might not have healed headache before. But know this, you have enough power not only to raise the dead, but to raise you from the dead. And not just that, no matter how long you have died, not like Lazarus, four days. It doesn't matter how many years after your physical death before Christ comes. You will rise again. Your the decomposed particles will gather together and you know you're going to receive a new body and be reunited with your spirit. Think about that. The power in you is sufficient to defeat death forever. So think about it. Why are you walking around without a sign of power? When there is more power in you than your mind can conceive. Did you hear that? He says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. So even if you sat down to imagine the, how, how powerful a human being can possibly be, what you carry will still be more than what you imagine. Think about that. What are you going to do? It's time to exercise. It's time to hit that spiritual gym. All right? And I'm here to show you how. You see, like I said, it's about consistency. All right? It's about consistency. And one of the words that we see most repeated in the Bible regarding spiritual devotion is the simple word, continue. I can't stress this enough. The Bible keeps telling us to continue, continue. You did it yesterday. Good. Continue. We're talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle of devotion. A lifestyle of consecration. Oh, you! I remember the time I prayed six hours. Good. Continue. Build a culture of devotion. All right? Build a culture of devotion. I'm going to give you a few texts. There are so many texts. So many texts that emphasize this. I will just give you a few of them. John chapter 8 verse 31. John chapter 8 verse 31. The Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. Continue. Oh, I'm glad, you know, you, it seemed like you were getting it yesterday. Continue. We want to see consistency in your conviction, in your beliefs. In your devotion, continue. Continue. Some people don't know how to follow a ministry. They don't know how to follow a man of God. They don't know about discipleship. There has to be a consistency to it. This is not a fan base. I'm not raising a fan base. God has sent us to raise disciples. I'm glad you like my family. I'm glad you like what I wear. That's not why we're here. Get to the word. Don't check us out once in a while to see how we are doing. We are doing okay. But how are you doing in God? Continue in the word of God. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 43. Acts chapter 13, verse 43. It says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and the religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. I'm going to bore you with this because it's worth the emphasis. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Please make sure you're taking your notes wherever you are. All right. Just remember, the comment section is not your notepad. Remember. I appreciate the comments, but remember, the comment section is not your notepad. All right. So Acts chapter 14, verse 22. It says... Confirming the souls of the disciples. I, I wish I could talk more on this. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in faith. I, glory to God. Continue in faith. That you believed yesterday is awesome. But he says to continue in faith. Continue in faith. He tells you this because you can. The grace has been bestowed upon you for consistency. Did you hear what I said? There is grace on your life to be consistent. You know, I, I remembered recently a conversation I had with some family friends, you know, just two weeks ago, thereabouts. And I started laughing to myself because now, that, that was a linguistic ambiguity. This is what I mean. The conversation was not two weeks ago. I remember the conversation two weeks ago. The conversation happened when I was in JS3. JS3. I think I was 14 years old at the time. And I was, I was spending, I was having holidays with a family friend. And I told the woman, I said, I don't believe in talent. You know, it's weird how, you know, how far back I used to think like that. I said, I don't believe in talent. Make no mistake, I believe that people are born with gifts and all of that. But eventually, a keyboardist would not know what he is capable of doing on the keyboard if he never had the opportunity to handle one. And it doesn't matter the gift that you have. You can pick up, this is what I was telling them, you can pick up the ability. If you have the consistency, you can, you can do anything you, you make up your mind to do. If you're consistent. I don't believe there is anything I'm not capable of learning. Personally, I can learn it. I can learn it. And so, because of that mentality, I have learned to reinvent myself. I can reinvent. Listen, when um, I'm in school, and I, I'm discovering that there's a subject I don't really understand, I don't cry. I don't go about telling people, oh, I'm not good in mathematics. What do you mean good? What, what does that mean? Maybe in the earlier years, yes. But the truth is this. You will be good at anything you do repeatedly. You have to believe that. Listen, someone else might have to do it fewer times than you. But anything you do repeatedly, you will get it. It's a mindset to have. How does this concern what we are saying? If you make up your mind to stop being prayerless, to stop being ignorant of the word of God, to, to just take this... Christian faith, seriously, your life is going to change. You will be better for it. 
Stop looking at some people as though they have, you know, some extraordinary spiritual abilities for consistency. It's not true. The Bible keeps reminding us, like in James chapter 5, verse 16, you know, what I want to get the exact verse. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as you and I. Verse 17, he was a man like you. He could be tired like you. He faced temptations not to pray like you. He says he was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. Hallelujah. So the reason he prayed is not because there was an engine, a special engine for prayer in him. He prayed because, unlike you, he could look beyond all the reasons and the excuses not to pray and realize that you have to do what you have to do. I remember, you know, talking to a first-class student in school, you know, and I was trying to get to read with him and all of that. And he told me, just trying to understand his mentality. And he's, I think we're going to go for Christmas break and then resume for examinations. And then I was trying to find out if we could, you know, meet up during the holiday and read together. And he said, oh, I don't read during Christmas break. And I'm like, are you joking? And he says, no, I, I like to enjoy the break. So he masters everything he needs to master. And he, you know, from, read, from learning from him, I discovered he actually wasn't really into books per se. He was just a kind of person that had a demand consciousness. If my particular station demands this level of hard work and devotion, I'm going to give it what it requires. That simple. That simple. So I realized, oh, he's like me. <laughs> he also doesn't like civil engineering. That's not what I studied, but we did some civil engineering courses together. He also doesn't like the courses. He likes to have fun during Christmas break. Oh, it's just about responsibility, the presence of mind. To give all the demands of your life the attention they require. Can I tell you something? If you learn what I'm telling you, it will bless every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Every aspect. You'll be better for it. It will affect your physical life. You, you, every aspect of your life. Don't run away from demands. Face it head on. So now, okay, you've not been praying. What are you going to do? You think the people who pray always feel like praying? Now, this is a real life story. Um, Muhammad Ali was asked, he said, how do you like waking up 4.30 a.m. to go to the gym every day? And, you know, the, the reporter was ex expecting some inspiring, you know, story like, oh, I'm born that way, I'm built that way, I can't put gym and grind and something like that. <laughs> and he said, I hate going to the gym. He said, but I like winning. So you have to think about the results you're going to get on one hand, and then the repercussions of not giving it the discipline it demands. And let that drive you. If you think of what prayer would do for you and in you, and what not praying will do for you and in you, you would pray. You would pray. It's time to go deeper. It's time to get back to the basics. Can I tell you something? I discovered many Christians don't read their Bibles. 
I say this with trembling and buckling knees. Many pastors don't read their Bibles. Listen, we are, we have bought this smoke screen manner of devotion. All right. Where we are more concerned about looking like it than being it. It's a problem. It's a problem. And it can affect your psychology in such a way that you can be hearing a sermon like this, but you still don't realize that I'm talking to you. Subconsciously, I like tell them, tell them, no, you're not doing well. You're not praying enough. Forget about your title. Forget about who is hyping you. You're not studying enough, and you know it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Let me just give you two more. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, continue in prayer. Continue. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. It says, take it unto yourself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. Continue. So you see, you have to, so you have to have habits that you have incorporated into your daily schedule that you do consistently and religiously. It's true that Christianity is not a religion, but there is a religion in, Christi in Christianity. There are things that you ought to learn to do repeatedly. It's true that Christianity is not a religion, but if you have no religious practices, it might be proof that you're not a Christian. I must be able to see some repeated, repetitive consistency in your prayer life, in your study life, in reaching out to the lost, in consecration, in giving. This is so important because, can I tell you this? Pay attention to this. One of the worst things that can happen to a believer is for him to look at his past and see awesome things that are now a mystery now. Awesome things. Now, you, you are a shadow of yourself so much, you're like, oh, was I that hot? Was I that powerful? And there are so many examples in the Bible. I'll give you two. John the Baptist had an encounter with God. And God told him that he was going to herald, you know, the Messiah. It was a high calling. And he gave him a sign. He says, the person upon whom you see the Spirit of God descend, that's the person who will take away the sins of the world. And so, at Jesus' baptism, he saw, the Spirit of God descend on Jesus. He knew it was Jesus. He saw it. And no, you know, we, we, sometimes we covet, you know, spiritual encounters. And encounters are great. What John the Baptist had was an encounter. He saw the Spirit of God descend on Jesus. But can I tell you something? Even encounters are not enough. They can never replace what you need to do and be consistently. And so the same John the Baptist, 
when the pressures of the call began to overwhelm him and he was arrested, he sent word to Jesus. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? You were there when the Spirit of God descended on him. Now you're asking, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you he that is to come? Isn't it funny that some people who healed the sick in the past are no more sure about healing today? Because we're we talking about the spirit realm. We're we talking about supernatural capabilities. And so if you're not in your divine element, you'll be amazed what you can think. You'll be amazed. Think of Elijah. All the great things Elijah did for God. Elijah was dreaded. <laughs> Elijah could call down fire repeatedly. I'm not, not once, not twice. The Spirit of God will carry Elijah from place to place. Supernatural teleportation. What a man. What, a, what an enigma. What a mystery. Yet, one day, you know, a lady named Jezebel sent a message to him that she was going to kill him. And Elijah was afraid. I want to read it to you. First Kings chapter 19. Listen, it doesn't matter how awesome you think you are, what you've done in your past. If you are not consistent, you will act in a manner that will shock people. You'll be, you'll be a shadow of yourself. First Kings chapter nine, 19 I'll just read from verse 1. I wish I could read the whole thing, but no time. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more so, if I do not take it. She swore. <laughs> you know, like in modern day when someone says, If I don't do this to you, call me, you know, and use this one, whatever name. All right. He says, I will do the same thing to you tomorrow. <laughs> the Bible says, and when he saw that, when Elijah saw that, he rose up and ran for his life. Elijah. This is the same guy who was on the mountain. People came to arrest him and they said, if you are a man of God, if you are, if you are a man of God, uh, and he said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall. This is the same guy who couldn't be arrested. This is the same guy running for his life. He ran into the wilderness. And in verse 9, the Bible says this. <laughs> and then he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> Man of God, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Maybe that's the question you need to ask yourself. What, what are you doing here? How, how, did, how did you get here? How did you get here? How did you get here? How did you become so prayerless? How did you become so weak? How did you get here? What are you doing there? It's time to stand up from that place of weakness. Embrace your destiny in God. And wax on in strength. Wax on your strength. I dare you, I challenge you today in the name of the Lord. It's time to do better. It's time to do better. And I know time is fast spent. 
But I want to give you five simple things you can do to regain spiritual form. Five things. Five things you can do to regain spiritual form. Number one is what I call sight. I've explained this a million times. <laughs> when people want to add a new habit spiritually, you know, they go about it the canal natural way. And there is a, there's a better way. There is a better way. It's the power of sight. What you see through your eyes is one of the biggest concepts, secrets for education in the body of Christ. We learn by seeing. There are some things you are not taught. You just need to see repeatedly. And so Saul found himself in the company of the prophets and he prophesied and people began to ask, is, is Saul a prophet also? The example I would always give, Jesus walking on water, Peter sees him and says, I, I want to join you. And he did. Sight. Can anything you see repeatedly, you will end up being. You know, a lot of people underestimate the power of association. So all your friends are not prayerful. They don't study the Bible. They never bring up Jesus in their conversations. And you're wondering why your life is the way it is. This is not, it's not, it's no mystery. Listen, this is what it takes to be a doer of the word of God. The Bible says, behold yourself in a mirror. And when you go, remember what you look like. He says, that's what it takes to be a doer. Because if you, if you see the right things and recollect the right things, you will do the right things. Sight. 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 So sometimes you don't feel like praying, but do you belong to a praying church? You don't feel like praying, but you have praying friends. You don't feel like Can I take this word from me? All right. If all that you read and all that you listen to and all that you watch is not fueling your spirit, you will be... You, You'll be cold. That's, that's what's happening. So, when was the last time you read a spiritual book? When was the last time you listened to a sermon? When was the last time, you know, some people keep arguing for their right to listen to all kinds of music. It doesn't matter. They go into the semantics, secular and all of that. And there are good, there are, there are good songs, all right? I listened to them a couple of times. All right. As long as it's decent, I can listen to them. But I'm talking about feeding your spirits. Feeding. You have to be intentional about that one. You have to have playlists. Reorganize the playlist because playlists have expiry dates. After a while, you listen to it finish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Excuse that mode of expression. You don't hear and finish. Change it. All right, update it. But keep within your sight what you want to be. What you want to be. What you want to be. I, I wish I could dwell more on this, but time is fast spent. The second thing is effort. You have to show effort. I've used, you know, your preparation for exams to talk about this. You don't just say, oh, I don't feel like reading. And so you don't read when you have exams in a month or in three weeks. That's not what you do. When you don't feel 
like reading, you go the extra mile, you make efforts. You stand up, you pace the floor, you put a bucket of water, you put your legs inside. That's what you do. You push yourself. You have to be willing and able to do the same thing when it comes to spiritual things. All right? Set an alarm. Have prayer alarms. Have Bible study alarms. I, I want to challenge you today. If you don't have that, immediately after this service, service, set alarms. Bible study. Prayer time. You know, some people you, tease, mock devotionals. Ah, it's for beginners. And now you don't read your Bible every day. You don't. And you're teasing beginners. It might help you to have a structure. Anyway, to, 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 I don't want to get ahead of myself. You know, make efforts. Make efforts. So now you're entering into a new week. You can, what, what are your goals spiritually? You have to have goals. You have to have a plan. Number three is emphasis. Emphasis. Can I tell you something? When you are trying to overcome your lack of interest in something, do it repeatedly. Do it repeatedly. Do it repeatedly. So I'm going to pray until I stop feeling like not praying. <laughs> so if you tell me, oh, pastor, I've not been praying, I'm going to say, pray about it. Yeah. Oh, you've not been praying. Pray about it. Pray about it. Get to praying anyway. Sometimes you have to throw it beyond the mark to actually balance. So you go on a prayer journey. You create an emphasis for yourself. We have, we have a folder called, you know, prayer companion. You know, just excerpts from prayer moments. It's, it's going to bless you. Play it for yourself and pray whilst you're listening to it and decide how many times you're going to listen to it and you're not going to be done praying until you have listened to it a certain amount of times. Emphasis. Number four, accountability. It's another very powerful method. You see, that's why we need each other. All right, even a pastor is fed by feeding. What I'm doing is not just for you, it's for myself. When Paul said, um, I can't wait to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gifts, he said to the end that I might be established both by the mutual sharing of faith, both of you and me. So yes, I am coming to Rome to impart, I think that's Romans chapter 1 verse 11, to impart unto you some spiritual gifts, but I also in doing so will benefit from the warmth of fellowship. We need each other. Maybe you are too individualistic in your approach. That's why you're struggling. Do you have any prayer partner? Even if it's temporary to say, you know what, can you be my partner, you know, this, this month? Let's just pray together. Let's study together. Let's give ourselves targets. And so at the end of the day, we chat to say, okay, what did you learn from this text? What did you learn from this sermon that we reviewed together? What did you learn from this book that we read together? The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so doth a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. Some of us, we have friend mentors who push us in our dress sense, 
push us, uh, friends that advise us on relationship, they, they scrutinize all the people that have an interest in us. <laughs> but when it comes to what really matters, there is nobody you are accountable to spiritually. That has to change. Get accountable. All right? So get accountable. Then the fifth thing I want to talk about is structure. Structure. You have to have specific prayer times. Can I tell you something? If you don't have a to-do list, you're not going to do anything. Haven't you noticed that already? Don't say, I will pray today. When will you pray? When do you usually pray? What are your prayer times? To make it simple, in our church, we have three prayer times. 6 a.m., 12 noon, actually four. 6 a.m., 12 noon, 8 p.m., and 2 a.m. 2 a.m. is actually 8 p.m. in Canadian time. And our Canada family prays that time. You cannot say you are busy round the clock. And you can't spend 30 minutes or even 15 minutes at noon to pray. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. I've given an instruction. No church member must miss two consecutive prayer times. So if you miss 6 a.m., you must not miss 12 noon. If you miss 12 noon, you must not miss 8 p.m. All right? Make it a point of duty. Service unit leaders, take note of this. Let's hold ourselves accountable to that. All right? You don't miss two consecutive prayer times. So you have to have structure. Draw up a plan for yourself. But guess what? It's time to rise up. What are you doing there, Elijah? What are you doing here, man of God? What are you doing in the cave? Do you know who you are? It's time to rise up in favor. It's time to rise up in devotion. It's time to lay aside every weight and everything that easily besets you. It's time to run with patience. Can I tell you something? In the next 10 years, not an ounce of energy would have left us. Hallelujah. Our passion for reaching out to the lost, to the lost, our passion for prayer, everything will still be there. It will still be intact. Hallelujah. We're going for the long haul. We're not settling for less. Hallelujah. We're not settling for less. We cover the world with the gospel. We cover the earth with the gospel. Hallelujah. Get ready. Get ready, people. And this month, we are waxing stronger in our favor. Every prayerlessness is giving way. Giving way. Every lackadaisical attitude is giving way. Now, Bible study life, you know, when you were... Young in the Lord, you used to make sure you read the Bible at least once in a year. But now, you know, you're a word man, so you don't really do that. I've noticed more and more in our day, many people don't know scriptures verbatim anymore. They're always paraphrasing. Always paraphrasing. They say, or oh, something like that. Why must it always be something like that? Why? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. But you know songs, worldly songs, word, word for word. Sit down. Meditate on this word. Stop dressing like a man of God and be a man of God. All right? And we're giving, you know, this is a note to self also. We're all going to immerse ourselves. In a time of spiritual devotion, all right, you are what you emphasize. So, I want you to rise up wherever you are. We're going to pray in the spirit right now. 
Thank you, Jesus. Just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't feel like praying. This is the time. This is the time. I'm trying to coach you. So wherever you are, pray in the Holy Ghost and add some fervor to it. Add some fire to it right now. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for supernatural restoration. The Bible says, if anyone taken in the fault, you which are spiritual, should restore such a one. Father, for everyone who needs such restoration, whose mind has been battling with contradictions, whose prayer life has been struggling. Thank you because you are using this platform, this church to restore people. And right now under the sound of my voice, I just pray for you, every one of you listening to me. Your prayer life is restored. Your favor is restored. In the name of Jesus, you work stronger in favor. You work stronger in devotion. In the mighty name of Jesus, better days in terms of fervency ahead of you. Not behind you, ahead of you. You wax on in the strength of God. You wax on unhindered. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
Thank you, dear Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.